honestly, I was so terrified in that moment. I really thought that I may not live, but I'm thankful that I knew that I should get to the hospital as soon as possible. That was Alexandra Adams of Queens, New York, a young woman who continues her recovery after experiencing two strokes within a matter of days. Hi, I'm David North, and this is Health Story. Alex was 29 when she experienced the first stroke while preparing to celebrate Thanksgiving with her family in 2015. In this episode, we'll hear from Alex about her experiences and from her healthcare team about the risk of stroke intervention, including with clot-busting medication, and her recovery. First, Alex. It was right before Thanksgiving, so I was in the store trying to shop last minute for um, supplies to feed the family for Thanksgiving. And um, I noticed that I was feeling disoriented, and I thought that it was just a symptom of stress and not having something to eat during the day. So I kind of just wrote it off and lied to myself about what was happening. By the time I got home, my mom had said to me, you know, maybe we should go to the hospital. You could be having a stroke. And even at that time, I said to her, you're crazy. I'm too young to have a stroke. You know, let's give it a few minutes and see how I feel. And I ate something, and 20 minutes later, I felt pretty much back to normal. Um, I still felt a little bit disoriented mentally, and that feeling didn't go away for two days. And at that point, I was very, very worried. And even though I was terrified to go to the emergency room, I said, I have to go at this point. The mounting evidence moved her to action. Dr. Rohan Arora and associates at LIJ Forest Hills confirmed the undeniable. Alex had experienced a stroke. She was okay, but another ordeal was ahead. Fortunately, her experience with Dr. Arora would work in her favor. The second time, I was very, very scared because I had been educated the last few weeks about what had happened and what could happen. And within about five minutes, I had told my husband, you know, we need to go to the hospital right away. I had about another five, ten minutes where I tried to get ready, you know, to throw on some clothes. It was early in the morning. And um, as I was trying to get myself into a winter coat and out of the house, I noticed I was losing more and more movement and that my speech was even more slurred as time went on. And it was about 20 minutes from when I woke up to when I arrived at the hospital, but in those 20 minutes, I had extreme slurred speech. In the car, I lost complete movement of my left arm. I couldn't lift it, and I wasn't able to get myself out of the car by the time we got to the hospital. It's kind of a whirlwind when you're in that situation and you have 10, 15, 20 doctors and people around you um, and you don't have much time to think. And then when they had offered or had come up with the idea to give me the TPA drug and about 30 seconds later, Dr. Aurora came into my room. He happened to be at the hospital that day and he explained to me that. Every Thursday morning we have a neurovascular stroke conference and believe it or not, we were actually in the middle of discussing Alex's case from her first stroke when the pager went off and I was called and because we were just discussing her case I couldn't prevent myself from immediately going and actually physically being present and seeing her in the emergency department. Even though she had clinical symptoms of stroke she was within the window uh, of the clot buster TPA medicine there was 
a relative contraindication to giving her this medicine. And that contraindication was if an individual has suffered a stroke in the last three months, then giving this medication could have been potentially harmful also. So we went over the case. And he explained to me that, um, you know, there were a lot of risks involved, but that I was a good candidate and that the positive things that could come out of it were far, far better than leaving things the way that they were. And he really reassured me and calmed me enough to know that it was the right decision that I should make. So what happened? Why was Alex readmitted, Dr. Arara? In her case, we, we were not expecting her to have another stroke so soon because in the first place, we were not able to identify a particular cause of the stroke, uh, which, is, uh, which happens in about 25 to 30% of stroke cases. We don't know the actual cause of the stroke. The medication, uh, as it stands now, can only be given within four and a half hours of stroke symptoms. And when she had her, her first stroke, she seeked medical attention approximately after two days. Time was a factor in determining whether or not to prescribe the clot-busting medication vital for Alex's recovery. And time is the crucial factor in addressing stroke. Emergency Department Pharmacologist Kubrit Kaur. Every one minute that you waste, you're basically damaging two million brain cells. The quicker you figure it out, the quicker you get treated. Get that medication as soon as you can if you're a candidate. It will, sell, it will save your life. Alex was stable and out of danger. But what about her recovery and her life ahead? Dr. Aurora explains a property that may help our brains recover from drama. It's called activity-dependent neuroplasticity, which basically means that your brain changes in actually in surface area and configuration based on the kind of activity that you're doing. So if you are, if you are working with physical therapy in trying to, and to improve the function of your arm, uh, the brain cells are getting stimulated and again providing stimulus to the, to the arm to help with, with its movement. The concept of brain plasticity is demonstrated each day by physical therapists. Director of Rehabilitation Services for LIJ Forest Hills, Andrea Cleese, describes plasticity in concrete terms. The brain is like the roads on the street. We work almost as a construction worker. I like to think of it that way. So the Long Island Expressway gets clogged, you take the Grand Central instead. So the way that we think about it is we want to know how can we get to that Grand Central and how can we get to where we have to do. So what physical therapy and occupational therapy does is we work hands-on with patients. We help them relearn how to move their bodies to the best of their abilities. And if they don't get back to their original function, we at least teach them how to compensate. You feel like you're an infant again in some ways. There are things that you cannot do that you used to be able to do that are simple, like cut food. I couldn't cut my dinner for about a month after I had the stroke. And it's very frustrating to be an adult that's capable of doing everything and go back to that and have those moments frequently throughout the day. And if you're a supportive family member or family member living with somebody who's had a stroke, just to be able to have the patience to understand what they're going through and to be able to help them I think means the world to anybody who's recovering.
it's hard that, you know, their loss of function, loss of independence is, com- is so hard for patients. So even though we know that there is the potential to improve, we need to be able to motivate our patients to believe that as well, because without the patient, we can't do anything. We can help make reconnections. So even if the connection isn't there for now, stroke recovery, within a year, you have a year before you say, okay, maybe this is where I am, but you have that full year. To continue with Andrea's earlier analogy of comparing brain connections to highways, I asked Dr. Aurora about the idea of constructing an actual bypass through surgical intervention. Uh, Not that we know of. However, um, we do know that uh, we actually practice this in our institution. We have robotic therapy for for stroke recovery, which is which is a modified and a more structured form of physical therapy delivered to stroke patients to enhance the recovery process. Uh, is that something underway at Northwell right now, or among the Northwell hospitals? Absolutely, we are actually proud to say that we are one of the one of the institutions who are actively pursuing studies on robotic therapy. Uh, in in stroke recovery, uh, which are led by Dr. Bruce Wolpe at Feinstein. Alex is employed by a physical therapy clinic in an administrative capacity. Here and now, Alex Adams continues her recovery and is back at work among physical therapists and clients. Her experiences have changed her perspective. I've definitely seen my share of people come in who are knocked down and feeling hopeless and want to return to their lives in a normal sense and have movement back and be pain-free. And I've seen person after person get benefit from physical therapy and how it can help them. And it helped me get hope when I needed physical therapy to continue and even in my low moments, keep pushing and not give up. I feel more confident and I, I don't let myself get as anxious as I used to get about things. Um, I used to be a ball of anxiety and stress and I really have learned to um, take those things out of my life and it's given me a much, much better quality of life. I feel just as good as I did before the stroke. My life has gone back to normal. Um, I think I'm more physically active now when I've made um, you know, more positive improvements to my life. I make sure that I don't stress myself out as much and that I take time for me and you know, try and set limitations for what I can and cannot do. And So even though it was a crummy thing that happened, I've tried to find the positive in the situation. All of my doctors have been helpful and um, have educated me and put me at ease and made me feel like I can continue my life like I did before and um, have just given me wonderful care. Each patient, each stroke is unique, but steps toward recovery continue along a recognized path. Andrea Cleese has these thoughts about going forward. The biggest thing that families and patients can understand is that If you can't do it now, you can do it later. And just because you're not able to do it doesn't mean you can't do something else. So there's always ways to compensate for anything that happens. Um, But the biggest thing to remember is that you can't give up because if you give up, then you're never gonna get better. Alex thought her youth, age 29, made a stroke unlikely statistically true, 
that Alex had some risk factors, including her weight and stress. Dr. Arara. So most people think that stroke is something that affects older people. However, the impact of stroke is very significant and very complex in young individuals because they're in the middle of their careers, they're the wage earners, they're the people taking care of families. So if they suffer disability, it affects not just them, it affects everybody. Um, my message to young people is to, number one, do not smoke because this is in your hands. And number two, take care of yourself. And number three, if you think you're having a stroke, your symptoms are suggestive of call 911. I'd like to thank Dr. Rohan Arora for his time and for educating us about stroke awareness. Also, thanks to pharmacist Gupreet Kaur and Director of Rehabilitation Services at LIJ Forest Hills, Andrea Cleese. As always, thanks to this program's technical director, Andre Doughty. And thank you, Alex Adams, for being with us to share your health story. For more information about stroke, prevention, and recovery, and for informative events in our community, visit northwell.edu. I'm David North. Be well. Look north.